I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, and welcome back to your weekly dose of escapism aboard the New Scientist Escape Pod. I'm Timothy Revel, our comment and culture editor, and this week we'll be taking on three very different variations of the theme of scales. With me to do that is feature editor Anna Deming. Hi, Anna. Hi. Hi, what have you got for us this week? I'm going to be looking at how nature coordinates things at multiple scales. Oh, and we have our social media editor, Sam Wong, with us too. Hi, Sam. What have you got? I'm going to be talking about uh, musical scales and uh, why some of them sound more cheerful than others. Cool. So, And I'll be talking about the infinitesimally small subject of infinity. But before we get going, remember, escapism is not just for podcasts. You can get discount access to a feast of escapism, big ideas, and the latest on science and technology with a New Scientist subscription if you go to newscientist.com forward slash escape 20. Okay, Sam, you're up first. Is that a little keyboard I spy in front of you? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best you got then. (laughs) Yes, that's everything. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) No, I'm actually here to talk about scales. All right. So what's so interesting about musical scales? Well, when we think of musical scales, you might think of something like this. A C major scale. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have minor scales, which sound like this. And we think of major scales as being happy and minor scales as being sad. Yeah. W- why is that? Well, that's a question that musicians and scientists have puzzled over for a very long time. Uh, these scales date back to uh, at least to medieval times, but the theory behind them goes, that, but goes back further than that to ancient Greece. Pythagoras is supposed to have discovered that two notes sound good together if there's a simple ratio between the lengths of the string that you pluck to make those notes. Yeah, I think we mentioned this story about Pythagoras a few weeks ago, and he worked out that sort of the notes sound good together when the frequencies are in simple ratios. And that's something to do with how the ear is constructed. Yeah, that's right. So um, if, if you start with D and then shorten the string by a third, you get A. And those mm-hmm. two notes sound good together. And then if you do the same with A... Uh, shorten it to get by a third to get E, you get uh, those two notes and they sound good. From E, you get B. And the, the, that ratio of, what, of one string being a third shorter than the other um, gives you what musicians call a perfect fifth. But um, but that's, um, that's how uh, Western musical scales were originally constructed, using this three to two ratio to get all of the notes. And that's called Pythagorean tuning. 
but there's a problem with this method. D to A sounds good uh, because that's the three to two ratio. But with this tuning, D to F sharp has a ratio of 81 to 64. And that doesn't oh. sound quite right. It's much more pleasant for those two notes to have a ratio of five to four. And that's what you get on, on modern tuned instruments. All right. But then why do some of them sound happy and some sad? Well, the difference between the major scale and the minor scale is in the third note. So the major scale goes and the minor scale goes. So that third note is uh, a ratio of five to four in the major scale. And in the minor scale, it's six to five. Oh, yeah. Six to five, the saddest ratio of them all. <laughs> is, that, is that a mathematical fact? <laughs> that explains it. I think it's yet to be proven, but it is conjecture. Okay. Well, um, well, that, this is kind of a way to explain it that some people have suggested. You know, five to four is a ratio of smaller numbers than six to five. So according to Pythagoras's rule about simple ratios, um, that sounds more pleasing. But I think there must be more to it than that, because an octave and a perfect fifth, this is an octave and this is a perfect fifth. They're both simple ratios, but I think they sound neither happy nor sad. So you might ask, well, why are these emotional responses universal or do they depend on culture? And one study uh, tried to answer this by going to Cameroon and talking to the Mafa people who had never heard any Western music before. And the researchers asked them to listen to pieces of music and say if they were happy, sad or fearful. And they gave the answers that the researchers expected to hear more often than chance, but not as consistently as Western listeners. So it seems like our responses are culturally determined to some extent, but maybe there is something universal that's being exploited there. So there's a bit of everything going on. It's quite a bit more complicated than you might have thought. Yeah, it is complicated. And I think we still don't have a complete explanation for why some scales sound happier or sadder than the others. And really, it's it's too simplistic to say major scales are happy and minor scales are sad. So there was an, an interesting study quite recently that looked at more than 100,000 songs from a wide range of genres on the website Ultimate Guitar. And they looked at which words coincide with different chords, referring to a crowdsourced lexicon that gave every word a rating for how happy or unhappy it is. And as expected, major chords were associated with happier words and minor chords with sad words. But there was another type of chord that was even more strongly linked to happy words, and that's a seventh chord. Seventh oh. chords can be major or minor, but they also include... So this is a, a normal major chord... Uh, but then a seventh chord would go something like this. They've also had the seventh note in the scale. Um, and that, you know, you wouldn't describe that as being happy either. But these chords, they also often feature in, in happy songs. Um, so, you know, songwriters are, are using um, are using these chords in clever ways, which are, are, you know, it depends. It depends on context a lot of the time. What note, what chords are, or which notes are around those chords, and um, the sequences. So uh, it really is too simplistic to say one is happy and one is sad. But there was another interesting twist from that study, which is they found that um, the major happy minor sad trend held true for every era except. Uh, the 1980s, they looked at all the eras since the 50s. And in the 1980s, the normal rules about happy and sad songs didn't seem to apply. I think a lot of style rules went out the window. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, but I mean, there's always been lots of exceptions to the rule. For example, Happy by Pharrell Williams is in F minor. And then uh, No Surprises by Radiohead, which is uh, like this. <laughs> That's a major uh, major key as well. So, you know, um, there are lots of... And all of... Radiohead songs are sad. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they're just very good at making making sadness out of um, the ingredients that people would turn into happiness. Yeah, that was great. I think we're definitely going to need an escape pod band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Anna, what um, has been your escapism this week? I've been looking at webs. They don't have scales. No, they don't. <laughs> but spider webs are super strong thanks to how structures at different scales club together. Just watching spiders spin their webs is quite fascinating. I don't know if you agree. Is it almost even hypnotic? Yeah, I, I, the sort of geometry they make is really amazing, isn't it? And the actual silk the webs are made of can be really thin. We're talking about a thousand times thinner than the width of a human hair. Actually, it's quite hard to see the individual threads. They're, they're that thin. But as a lot of our listeners are probably aware, they're also really strong. So compare their strength by weight and they're stronger than steel while being lighter than cotton. How do they do that? Well, the matty stuff starts right down at the molecular level. Spider silk is made out of proteins, like lots of stuff that comes out of any organism's body. And the bonds between these proteins are actually really weak. It's a kind of hydrogen bond, and they're generally pretty weak. Yeah, that, that sounds quite counterintuitive. I mean, well, how do you get from something really weak to something that's then, you know, incredibly strong? Well, yeah, exactly. Here comes the cunning part. So <laughs> these proteins form nanocrystals which allow all these bonds to work together. It's the old adage, together we are stronger. <laughs> and so that way they can get something much stronger. Someone once likened it to me as like stacking two yellow pages books. So for our digital native listeners, yellow pages were these really thick <laughs> directories with really, loads of really thin pages. If you put one book on top of another, they slide apart really easily. But if you interleave each of the pages, you actually find they get kind of stuck together. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So is, is the way the very small molecules combine to make a much larger crystal, is that is that what gives it strength in a similar sort of interleaving way? Well, it's one of the ways that it gets its strength. Ah. This thing has got hundreds of tricks up its sleeve. So there's also the weakness of the bonds actually works in the favor of making that the whole thing stronger. It actually makes them tougher because these bonds break easily, but they also form again just as easily. It's a bit like it's a bit like being with your partner or sibling or, or children or someone someone else you love, but you might fall out now and then, and you might even feel like you break it quite a lot, but you make up just as quickly. 
because the bonds <laughs> between you have a collective strength that tolerate this that kind of tension. Oh, right. Is, kind of thing. is that is that at a molecular level? Is it? Yeah, so it's a beautiful relationships between all these things at a molecular level. <laughs> oh, that's nice. We're sort of basically all just spider webs. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> anyway, so so that's for these spider webs. They're so far we've been talking about tricks they've got at the molecular level and the nanocrystal level, but of course they've also got the geometry of the web itself. So you see them when they're spinning their webs, and the the little threads are gradually getting denser, and how dense those threads are and, and the shapes they're forming has an enormous impact on how resilient the web will be to impact from like a, a little stone blown at it or the real prize of course is some flying insect yeah so like a, a combination of having something like a strong material but they also build really well with it yeah so you've got um something that makes a strong material that has lots of cunning tricks to make it even stronger and then you're using it in a geometry that is also strengthening it and it all works together people have also looked at bone and nacre the material bone is made from and they found similar things going on with that so you get these tricks going on at multiple length scales and they all coordinate to make it super strong tough stuff that supports us through our lives Biofilms are another example where the properties spin out of structures at lots of different scales. There's loads, actually. Nature's a, the ultimate grandmaster of this kind of hierarchical mechanics, as they call it. And scientists are having a whale of a time trying to unpick how nature pulls all these properties off so we can mimic it and make really strong composites or whatever. That's really cool. That's a very interesting way to think about scales. So, Tim, you've been looking into infinity. Yes, uh, staring into the depths of it for what feels like quite a long time. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this fun thought experiment. Um, Have either of you heard about Hilbert's Infinite Hotel? Can't say that I have. No, so okay, so it's this it's this um, thought experiment to help you understand the weirdness of infinity, and it sort of goes something like this. So Hilbert's Infinite Hotel has an infinite number of rooms, and just like any other hotel, the rooms are numbered one, two, three, and four, and so on. But as it's an infinite hotel, it sometimes encounters a few strange problems. So in one scenario, a person arrives at the infinite hotel and finds that it's fully booked. Which obviously Surprising. seems a bit silly for, yeah, for an infinite hotel. That's a bit weird. But luckily, the manager is the world-famous mathematician David Hilbert, and he knows how to fit this person in. So how does he do that? Yeah, well, it, it's sort of a cunning little trick, really. So Hilbert asks the person in room one to go to room two, the person in room two goes to room number three, and so on. So whatever your room number is, you go to the room number plus one. And then once everyone has moved, well, obviously, room one has now become available. So the new person goes in there. It's pretty good, huh? Well, I guess you've got a lot of irritable guests, but you've got a spare room. (laughs) It's a better mathematician than a hotel manager, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's. we're going to find out it's not the best to stay in the infinite hotel because you're often getting moved. Um, But this, this tells us something about infinity. Essentially, it sort of tells us that infinity plus one is still infinity. But there's this other scenario where things get a little bit more complicated. Um, How's that? Yeah. So in what happens the next day is that a busload of people arrive at the Infinite Hotel. But obviously it's not your normal bus. It's an Infinite bus. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So luckily Hilbert has another suggestion. And this time, he, you know, all of the hotel guests are on the move again. He asks everyone to go to the room that number that is double theirs. 
So room one goes to room two, room two to room four, room three to room six, and so on. But what this means is now that all of the odd numbered rooms are free. So there are now there are now an infinite number of odd numbered rooms, as there are an infinite number of odd numbers. So each person that steps off the bus just goes to the first odd numbered room. So the first person off goes to room number one, and then to room three, and then to room five, and so on. And this also tells us something about infinity. It tells us that um, in this situation, infinity plus infinity is still equal to the same size infinity. The hotel obviously hasn't got any bigger. It's fully booked, but it can still accommodate an infinite busload of people. It's pretty good. I assume there's more then. Yes, obviously this is, this, um, <laughs> this can go on for quite a long time. But the, like the, th- the final scenario I'll, I'll set up is there's one where an infinite number of buses, each with an infinite number of passengers, arrives at the hotel. This sounds like what's going to happen in this summer when we're finally enough to go on holiday <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, and when that thing ends that we don't talk about on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So does he manage to fit them in? Yes, yes. So this one's actually quite tricky. Um, So bear with me. But and it requires a bit of knowledge of the fundamental theorem of arithmetic. So this this says that every number is a unique product of prime numbers. So to sort of spell that out a bit, that means that, for example, the number six is equal to two times three. And two and three are both prime numbers. And for any number you pick, this is always the case. So for example, 20 is equal to two times two times five. Two and five are both prime numbers. And there's only a unique way of expressing any number like this. So you need to know, luckily David Hilbert knows this. And so when the infinite number of buses arrives, what he does is everyone currently in the hotel goes to two to the power of the room number that they're in. So people in room one go to two to the power of one, which is two. The people in room two go to two to the power of two, which is equal to four and so on. It's going to be Um, quite a long walk for some people, isn't it? Yeah, for some people, it's a really long walk and it only gets worse. So when the when the first bus arrives, they get assigned the next prime number and the next prime number is three. So the same thing happens. The first people go to three to the power of one, which is equal to three. The second person goes to three to the power of two, which is equal to nine and so on. So every bus gets a unique prime number. And because of the fundamental theorem of arithmetic, you never end up with two people in the same room. I think we just about follow. I don't think they're going to get very good reviews for this hotel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. It's also out of an infinite number. So five stars is terrible. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit tricky to get that last one without writing it down. But I think the, sort of the rough idea that in an infinite hotel that's fully booked, you can still accommodate passengers from an infinite number of buses, I think is pretty cool. Infinity is weird. <laughs> yeah, indeed it is. That's all for Escape Pod this week. Remember to subscribe and tell all of your friends. You can get in touch with any of us on Twitter at New Scientist Pod, and we'd love to hear what things you'd like us to talk about. And remember, for a 20% discount on a subscription to New Scientist, go to www.newscientist.com slash escape20. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 This podcast is produced by Ollie Giyu Podcast Production. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. 
This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.